Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chaffin, along with... Artemis, bro. We're coming to you this week with episode 34. Guys, this is a this is an episode to pregame, or pregame, yeah. It, we're hoping you're pregaming. We're hoping you're pregaming. This is a pregame podcast for the game against Tulane. Ooh, that rhymes. There you go. Man, man we're, we're, we're recording way too damn late. Yeah, it, it's, we're pushing what twelve thirty on the East Coast. Sometimes, yeah, it's like twelve fifteen. Yeah, um, yeah, and we're just now recording, baby. Yeah, it's twelve fifteen on a Friday morning, day before game day. Let's paint it purple. It's all um, good. We only got we only got one more day of the week. We, we, we all we got is time, baby. That's all we got. So, Artie, we may not know who our president is, but we do know that ECU has a matchup. <laughs> This weekend with Tulane, how? And, and to be how honest, you feeling? the game against Tulane might be over before we know what the president is. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, from a from a from a sports fan standpoint, I feel great. From an American citizen standpoint, I don't know how to feel. But I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. This is not a political podcast. We, we don't give a shit. Podcast, so yeah, we're not even going to touch like, that. We're going to talk about our matchup. Like. This if if you want to talk politics, leave that shit at the door. Uh, you you came right. to the wrong place. And nobody um, got to for that. But already, other other than uh, everybody else freaking out about the uh, about the election, how how you feeling, man? I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. Like you know, we we talked before we started, you know, recording. It's been a long week, so I'm happy tomorrow is Friday or today, I should say. Today I'm is happy. Friday. I'm happy this week is almost over because a lot of people at work have kind of gotten under my skin this week, but it's all good. We all digress. Good. We digress. It's all good in the hood, baby. All good in the hood. So we'll be all right. Tomorrow's Friday. We've got a big weekend of sports, not just ECU Tulane. We've got a big weekend of sports coming up. So I'm excited, man. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. So, uh, Artie, you know, um, you know ECU basketball, right? You, you know that they still exist, you know. Episode one, so 33 episodes ago, we were talking about ECU basketball going into the American Athletic Conference basketball tournament. And mm-hmm. I, I believe they were like a seven seed out, out of the 11 or whatever. Um, well, guess what? ECU basketball's back, baby. It's back. We are Monday. back. Um, so ECU basketball starts up again on November 25th. That's uh, right around Thanksgiving. I believe Thanksgiving is... Well, November no, 20- yeah, that, that is Thanksgiving, isn't it? Yeah, November twenty sixth is Thanksgiving. So yeah. Oh no, twenty sixth. I, I think you said twenty fifth. Well, it, it starts the twenty fifth, but they're going to play on the twenty sixth also. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving is the twenty fifth. Thanksgiving is the twenty sixth. I thought it was the twenty fifth. Which what, what what day is Thursday? It's on a Thursday. I know that. Today's th- yesterday was Thursday. No, no, no but I'm saying Thanksgiving is on a Thursday. I I, I know. I'm. Thursday, I, I, use some math, Artie. Use some math. Yesterday was Thursday. It's it was the late. fifth. It's it was the fifth. Listen, Artie. <laughs> Yesterday was the fifth. Mm-hmm. It's on a Thursday. Okay, I, I see three you weeks. Saying, you're right, Jared. You're it's on right. the twenty-sixth. Did it in my head. Seven I times three is twenty-one. I got you, cuz. Five plus you. twenty-one is twenty-six. Linda, I got you. Listen, Linda, I got you. <laughs> Man, I. I if that was my kid, I'd slap the shit out of him. <laughs> I, I hate that kid. Um, but anyways, ECU going to play Indiana State to open up the season uh, on, on November 25th. And then they're either going to play Austin P. Is I think that's how you pronounce it. I, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I like um, to say Austin P, just because I know that's probably wrong. But it's get, it's probably Austin P. I, 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 I don't know. Where where is Austin P? Austin P A. It might be P A. P A. P A. It's French. P A. It, yeah, it sounds Canadian. P A. Yeah. P A. Um. <laughs> and then uh, EC's finally gonna make it to Omaha, but they're gonna do it in in. Florida, I believe in Jacksonville. I don't know where the hell this thing is. It's in the beach bubble. Um, so they're going to play Indiana State and Austin P or Omaha on on the 26th. Indiana State is on the 25th. And then there's a, a to be determined on the 27th on Black mm-hmm. Friday while, while everybody else is doing their shopping. ECU is going to be whooping some ass um, yeah. on, on November 27th. I'm, I mean, Jayden, I'm, go ahead. Jaden Gardner and company are coming for you. Oh, absolutely. I, and I'm expecting Jane Gardner to have a huge season. But this this whole, you know, beach bubble invitational thing, it sounds like a bunch of teams that nobody cares about, to be honest with you. As much as as much as I love my Pirates, I mean, you've got what? You've got ECU. You've got Austin Pierre. You've got uh, Indiana State, who was, they're, they're only known for Larry Bird, who played like 40 years ago. And then what's, what's the other team? Uh, Omaha. 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 Omaha, Omaha. Even though they had a university college, community, yeah, community college yeah, the red and black O. I don't, I don't know what their actual mascot is, but they're the red and black O. I, has has ECU ever played in the Invitational, a basketball Invitational? Yeah. So most basketball teams like play in one. Yeah, you play one almost every year. Okay. Well, see, I, I thought it was a new thing. That wasn't something that they have always done. No, m- most conferences start off their their basketball season with with a. Invitational, you, they require their teams to play in an invitational of some sort. That gets a lot of games in right away. Um, but then, so ECU, and I don't uh, I apologize, ECU will play um, four more non-conference games, um, the first of which is against Radford. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now, trying to see, um, excuse me, here. ECU basketball, it, it doesn't say whether it's at home or away. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, I think these are probably all going to be at home looking at who, who ECU is playing. Um, you know. these, these are a lot of, yeah, it all says verse, so I'm guessing that, that most of them are at home, if not all of them. Um, ECU is going to play Radford from from. Radford, Virginia, I believe. I don't. I don't know what they are. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Radford, Radford's in Virginia. Yeah. Um. Pretty. They, I mean, they're they're a pretty good um, basketball school. They, they've that, that, that's really what they're known for is their basketball program. They've kind of fell off a little bit, but Radford is is a pretty decent basketball school. Uh, their their main rival is Liberty. So that I mean, Liberty's given us some problems over the past couple of years in basketball. So they play in the eight ten, I believe. Yep. Yeah, with uh, Richmond and yeah. some of those other schools, VCU. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Then you got UNCW, the Seahawks, um, which, which that's, the, that's developed into a, a nice little rivalry that we've had with UNCW in, in basketball and, and baseball. Um, I mean, you, you talk about the two prominent, you know, schools on the east coast of North Carolina. Yeah. Wilmington and ECU, those, those are it. So, they, yeah, they should have a nice little rivalry in basketball. Yeah, and then you got North Florida, and then uh, Coach Mike Houston's former employer, James Dude. Madison, the Dukes, not Duke, the Dukes. Yeah, 
of James Madison University will come down to Greenville, I believe, and uh, and play ECU. So that that that's cool to see um, that we've got that, mm-hmm. and then we'll then we'll have a we'll have a basketball season. And I don't know, Artie, I don't know if you saw the the Ken Palm rankings. Basically, that that ranks you. That that's one of the rankings that everybody looks at to start the season. He ranks every team. Mm-hmm. ECU was ranked 123rd. I remember back in the day when ECU used to be ranked 370. Right. And that's that's 123 out of what, like 460, 430? It's, it's 123 out of 374. Okay, 374. I, got, I thought it was more than that. Okay. No, it's, it's – you have three – I think it's 374 Division One basketball teams, and ECU is 123rd out of those. If, so, if it's in the 123, I'll take that. And, <laughs> I'll, and I'll take it. that's not the lowest in our conference – that's actually about eighth out of the 10 or 11 teams that play basketball in the American. That's what we um, should be. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel good about it. Now, you got, you got teams like Houston, who I believe they're in the top 25 um, starting out the season. So, you, we're going we're gonna to see some interesting teams. The American, still a football conference. More people pay attention to their football. But the, yeah. American, the American has – in my opinion, one of the deepest conferences across all sports. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Competition-wise, because they're, com- they're competing in basketball, baseball, and football year in and year out with, with these big names, with the, the quote-unquote power five. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited yeah. for basketball season. And I think this is the year, much like Coach Houston said with the football team, that we need a signature win. I think this is the year we get it with, with ECU basketball. Right now, what that win is going to be, we don't know. Could it be against a team like a Memphis? Could it be against a team like a like a Cincy or a Houston? Because all three of those basketball schools. Those, those are some good teams. They're, they're going to be really good in the American. Wichita State, you can't forget about them. So, you know, who is it going to be against is the, is, the, is the big question. But I think we have the superstar talent in Jane Gardner and the requisite pieces to get that signature, signature win this season. Yeah, you like that? Vocab. You can uh, pronounce requisite, but you can't pronounce signature. Okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> you that Jack and Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and I'm almost done with this glass too. So just to let you know where I'm at. When, when if you don't hear Artie talking for a little bit, he's he's refilling his cup. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a different view, Artie. You're you're in your you're in your room now. I'm you're in not, my room. You, you, you can see my degree over my my left shoulder. So. Hey, yeah, and I'm, and I'm usually I'm usually in my car. So yeah, Artie's yeah. usually in his car, and I was like, Artie, the, to get the audio a little bit better, you got to record on your you got to record on your computer. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, um, Artie. Also, some sad news uh, on the ECU front. Uh, maybe not sad news, but unfortunate news. ECU will not be playing Marshall this year. The yeah. marking the 50 year anniversary of the. Um, the terrible, the sad. There's that's a sad thing. Um, sad plane, plane, plane Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> plane crash. You your jacket, coke right now. Uh, I'm drinking water. Um, <laughs> your your boy's been. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 all, I'm off the juice right now. Um, for until the weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna hit sub dogs after this game on Saturday, probably. Good, good, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ECU was supposed to play. Uh, or John Gilbert, athletic director of ECU, was talking 
with Marshall. They were going to, they were planning on playing that game on December 5th. Um, but right now, Conference USA, they basically said, we want Marshall to play Rice on that day. Um, that way we can make sure all of our teams have a full conference slate. That makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, I, I get it. You want, you want all your teams to play, um, especially Marshall, who is a top 25 team um, right now. So you, you want that to happen. Um, and then John Gilbert also said that he anticipates a game being played that day. But right now, the American Athletic Conference, uh, they, they need a day open to in ca- just in case of a game being rescheduled. So um, w- right now, we're, n- we're not going to have anything on the schedule, but that, that's something to keep an eye out on. Um, e- ECU might try to throw in another game on that schedule. I wouldn't mind seeing them at a team, um, much like Gardner-Webb, the Citadel, one, one of these uh, lower – level programs just to just to get some more just to get more snaps in um more reps i wouldn't mind that but also if they wanted to add somebody like a like a a big name opponent but the thing with adding a big name team is you're not going to get them to uh you're you're not going to get them to travel to ecu this year it's it's not going to happen it's just a sad situation, right? Because, I mean, the 50th anniversary of, of, of that tragic incident that happened, and this was the game that Marshall fans, ECU fans, had circled on their calendar for the last year now. Like, this was the game that we wanted to see, and it's not going to happen now. Obviously, you know, COVID got in the way, and logistically we couldn't figure out a way yep. to, you know, make this game happen. But it's, it's just sad. It, you, don't, you, don't, you don't point fingers at anybody. It just sucks it couldn't, it couldn't get done. Yeah, I I agree. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I lost you for a second. You back? All right, cool. Sorry, I, I uh, the video paused. It, it's still paused, but if you can hear me, that then I'll keep talking. Um, no, I can't. Let, let's go ahead, Artie. Um, I I enjoyed. I sat in on the press conference with Coach Houston on Tuesday. Um, I, I thought that was a good press conference coming off. Um a unfortunate uh outcome i I guess that's a polite way of putting that an unfortunate outcome in friday's game against tulsa Mm -hmm. um now already we we talk about some of the guys in the media like you and i've talked about it like yeah we'll, we'll listen to these press conferences together listen to this last like the last exchange with coach houston it's al minot from Bonesville. It's that guy that we, you and I were talking about the last yeah. time. The, the old guy, the real old guy? Yeah, the old guy. <laughs> Y'all, listen to this guy. Like, the, the last three questions, he has the same three questions to Coach Houston, and Coach Houston shuts him down each time. So, you, you want to listen to that. Um, yeah, stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, here, here's Coach Houston in his weekly press conference. Let's do it. Ahead and uh, let you open up with a statement, and then we'll go to questions after that, Coach. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, a little bit farther along, uh, you know, this week, uh, by the time we get to the press conference, than we usually are with uh, today being election day. Um, you know, took today off so that uh, you know the student athletes, um, and we came in, you know, an hour later this morning, uh, so that the coaches could catch the uh, polls as they open, uh, so that everybody could participate and uh, you know do our civic duty. 
uh, and be a part of the, the general election. So uh, had practice yesterday, <clears throat> very energetic practice coming off of a solid Sunday practice. Uh, I thought the kids practiced very, very well, a lot of energy, uh, a lot of enthusiasm, um, you know, really good physicality. So it was a really good Tuesday practice on a Monday. Uh, gets us a, a touch ahead of schedule uh, by the time we get to Wednesday, uh, because it gives us all day today to really look at that at that uh, practice yesterday, and also to continue looking at uh, you know the Tulane stuff uh, and all of our breakdowns and situations there. So uh, it made for a tough you know weekend. Fortunately, we played on Friday night, so you had a little bit of time uh, to catch up uh, Saturday after you recover from the flight. Uh, you know to look at that game uh, and then really get a lot of preparation done for Tulane on Sunday because you had to get ready for Monday's practice, which there's a lot that goes into that. So, um, you know, good start to the week. Uh, excited about the matchup this weekend. Uh, know Coach Fritz very, very well. Uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, you know, he and I have similar kind of paths to uh, our current positions. Uh, and, you know, I've, we've met uh, along the way when I was at the Citadel and just, uh, you know, I know the traits of his teams and, and the way he runs his program. and. Uh, he believes in a lot of the same things I do. You know, his team is going to be, you know, hard-nosed, tough bunch. They're going to be, they're going to play with physicality. They're going to have some discipline. Uh, they are very, very good on special teams. Uh, just, you know, a very good ball team. He's done a great job there at Tulane. Uh, and just, uh, it's going to be an exciting matchup for us this Saturday. Uh, so our kids are, they're going to be excited to go. Uh, they're ready to get back out on the field uh, after last Friday night and uh, continue, uh, you know, building and improving, which they've done solidly for the last month. Okay, we'll open up the questions for Coach Houston at this time. <laughs> Coach, everybody knows what happened Friday. How have the guys bounced back and responded uh, the, these last few days of practice? I mean, I've, I think they've responded as good as I could ask them to. Um, are they pissed off about Friday night? Yes, we all are. And there's, I mean, it's, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, you know, that's that's it. It's you get you're mad about it. It's not right. Um, it should have been a different uh, turnout. Um, they earned the right to win Friday night. That's what I preach: is you earn the right to win. You finish the game. Uh, they did that, uh, and even in spite of the circumstances, they continued to battle and respond. They never hung their head. They give us a shot on the last play of the game. Uh, and they have continued on just like that. And it's, it's, I continue to be impressed uh, with the guys that we have on the field and continue to be just so encouraged with the way they respond. And, uh, you know, we had uh, a good practice Sunday, and I thought we had just an, uh, a fantastic practice yesterday afternoon. And I don't, you know, I, I don't have to say anything to the kids. They know, you know, they have, they have embraced the way we do. And it's, you show up every day and you're going to compete and you're going to work. And it's 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 the the results are what the fans are seeing on the field on game day, but it's and I get the pleasure of seeing it every single day. You know, if you want to get on that field and you want to represent East Carolina University, you know the path. You got to get out there and you got to compete, and you got to perform, and you got to you know you got to align yourself with your teammates. And it's just so enjoyable to watch on a daily basis. And so very. Uh, very pleased the way they responded here early in the week. And that's why I feel confident going into this weekend that they're going to continue to practice that way throughout the week because they believe in their preparation and how it results uh, in improved play on game day. And, uh, and they know. 
you know, they know that uh, they're playing very, very well right now. Kind of going on, it might seem drastic maybe, but if you internally in the building with the players say, hey, you won the game, you know, or if you told them just ignore the win-loss part of it, just psychologically how have you handled that maybe, or have you not said anything at all about did you win or lose? I got screwed. That's what I told them. And I wished I could change it, but you can't change it. You can't go back. You know, everybody wishes they could go back. I'm sure the officials wish they could go back. Um, but you can't. You know, you, you and, and it's, hey, life is not fair. That's it. And it's, it's how you respond to adversity. And, uh, and that's, that's why I've really, you know, I've, I've tried to, you know, I talked to them Saturday just briefly on a, on a Zoom chat just because I wanted to connect with them just to, you know, because I was hurting for them uh, because I see how much they're putting into this every single day. Um, but then we talked on Sunday just that, you know, you can't let one, one loss beat you twice. And so you got to move on from it uh, and, and get ready for Tulane because Tulane is a very, very good football team. And, you know, we've got to play our best this Saturday to have a shot. And so, uh, you know, you, you acknowledge it because you can't ignore it. You know, the American Conference, they made their statement uh, acknowledging what happened. Uh, and, and now we've got to you know, put that behind us and move on to Tulane as a, as a group. Coach, did you get any more explanation other than the public statement from the conference? Because the second review seemed to be more blatant than the first in terms of inaccuracy. I've had significant dialogue with the conference office, and I would just leave it at that. Can you say whether any of those officials will be disciplined that were involved in that? I think that would be a, uh, an appropriate quest question for the conference office. Coach, uh, Jake, he's had a few kicks blocked lately. Is that, uh, is it more up front? Is he kicking it low? What have you seen on the, on the film review? Um, you know, the one, uh, a, a few games back against Navy, um, trajectory was a little bit low on that one. And, I, and I, I say that I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and be critical of Jake because we are fortunate to have a great place kicker. I'm saying what he knows and what uh, he and I talk about. We did get a little bit of penetration uh, in that one Friday night. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough deal when they're overloading you there at the guard position. But uh, we got to do a better job in protection. And and Jake is a talented enough kicker where he knows and he critiques himself. He and John work great together. That uh, you know, there's certain things they can do to get the ball up a little bit quicker. Uh, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be critical of Jake as much as I would say he's making some adjustments in those situations where it's a close range kick, uh, you know, to perform at a higher level. And that's, you know, when you have, when you have a guy that, that has the abilities that Jake has, it's really refreshing because he had, he holds himself to a high standard uh, and, you know, he wants to be perfect. And so anything he can do to improve our opportunities and our, and our chances, he's going to do those things. Mike, you come into this week's game with a little bit more uh, determination and increased confidence after uh, the way things have gone the last couple of weeks. Um, talk about what that does for your ball club entering, you know, entering this game against Tulane. Well, I, th I think, like I said in my kind of opening statement there, I mean, or my first answer is just, you know, the players have seen drastic improvement in their play week in and week out. Uh, and you can directly attribute it 
to improved performance and practice, improved preparation. I mean, offensively, the last couple of walkthroughs that we had on Friday and, and excuse me, on Thursday and Friday of last week, you know, you have, you know, zero MAs. So you have no mistakes in, you know, hour long walkthroughs. And that tells you that the players are dialed in, that they're, they're really focused. And so, and, and the result is, you know, you have these heavy work days of Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and, or last week, obviously Monday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then you have those dialed in walkthroughs and it results in playing at a very high level on the field. So I think that when you talk about, uh, you know, determination, listen, there's determination in the, in the players that's been there since the beginning of fall camp. Uh, and, and there's been significant improvement every single week since the beginning of fall camp. It's just, you know, they, are, they have tremendous belief in the preparation because they're seeing themselves play better and better on the field each week. Coach, uh, Tulane was in position to beat Southern Miss earlier this year, and then they had a very decisive victory this past week. What can you tell from uh, looking at them? Are they doing different or doing better at this point? Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you look at them defensively, veteran group uh, plays very well together. Um, like I mentioned the traits before, you know, they're going to be a physical bunch. Uh, they're going to play hard. They're going to play with discipline. Uh, they're going to compete. Um, you look at them on special teams, those same traits are there on special teams. They have a dynamic returner. Uh, you know, offensively, uh, you know, they strong running game. And I think the one thing that's developed since the beginning of the season is, you know, early in the season, you had a quarterback competition going on. And, you know, Michael Pratt, the freshman, has won that competition now. And so now you've seen him grow as a starter uh, and play better and better each week. So now you see him play very well against Temple. You know, he's a, he's a guy that can beat you with his legs. He's an above average runner. Uh, he has really good size, throws the deep ball very, very well. Uh, and has improved as a passer each week. So I think you're seeing improved play uh, there at the quarterback position, uh, which, you know, helps because, you know, they, they're very good at the skill positions at the wide receiver position. They did lose one of their running backs early in the year, but they've got, you know, three, I think, very uh, strong running backs. Uh, so it's just a very solid team. And, Coach, you've played your best games, it seems like, at night this season. Uh, is there an explanation for that, or was it – related to starting time at all? Well, I think we played pretty well against Navy as well. And so I think it's more related to the past month. Uh, I think you saw, uh, you know, beginning of the year with no spring practice and no summer and a new uh, defensive scheme and a mostly new defensive staff. Um, you know, you saw some struggles, uh, you know, but you've seen as the season has gone on, particularly in the last month, we've played better and better every single week. You know, two of those games happen to be at night, and I'm very, very pleased with the way our players prepared for those games, because I thought they handled night kickoffs very well. You know, that sometimes can be a struggle, uh, but I think we've handled it very, very well. Uh, but I thought we played very well against Navy as well. So looking forward to the 12 o'clock kickoff this Saturday. Mike, when you look at uh, this team coming up with uh, Tulane, what's the thing you better do uh, if, if you're gonna be successful against them? Well, I think you'd better continue to play very well together and better continue to do the things that good football teams do. What I mean by that is we've got to continue to strive to be the most physical team on the field. You know, we've got to continue to strive to play with tremendous energy, which you're seeing every game you see at a practice. 
we've got to continue to do a great job with ball security, and we've got to try to force turnovers and extra possessions uh, defensively. Uh, we've got to execute at a very high level, minimal MAs, minimal busts, uh, you know, making our opponents work uh, to defend us and make them work to get anything going offensively. And then I think we've got to be strong on special teams. And that sounds very, all that sounds very cliche-ish, cliche if I can get that word out. But, uh, but the thing is, you're playing a team that does all those things. You know, they're a good football team. Uh, you know, we've, you see teams that have great players, and certainly Tulane has great players, but they play together very, very well. And so I think you're, you're going to see two teams go, go at it this Saturday that, are, that, that have all those traits. Uh, so it should be a great ball game. With uh, Warren Saba and Dorso each had an interception last game, and they seem to really be solid and, and kind of emerging. Can you just talk about how they've emerged there and then kind of tied to that Tank Robinson status at all? I know he wasn't on the depth chart this week and kind of what's out there just, you know, with that position as a whole. Right. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you look at Warren, there's a guy that, um, you know, changed positions in the offseason uh, and has worked extremely hard to develop himself uh, and is, is playing as good as he's played since I've been here uh, and playing at a high level. And just, you know, I could not be more proud of him on multiple levels. I think as a player on the field, I'm, I'm very proud of him. At just, you know, his attitude and work ethic uh, and determination, I'm very proud of because, you know, those are the success stories that, uh, that you enjoy in coaching. You know, nothing was given to him. You know, he had to work his butt off to earn playing time by the way he practiced. Uh, and he did that from day one of fall camp. And it wasn't easy. You know, there were times when he would be, you know, second or third, you know, a certain week. Uh, but he's worked his way up. And then when he's gotten his opportunity, he's backed it up by the way he's played on game day. Uh, you know, same thing with Sean. You know, he came in as a backup. Uh, you know, and he, he worked and earned his way uh, onto the field and, and playing time. And then he's backed that up with his play. Uh, you know, that's, that's the culture that, that, that I want. That's the culture that we've created. And that's the culture that will be here. And, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, how does Elijah Morris go from a, a freshman walk on to our starting nose guard? Well, that's how he does it. He shows up every day and works. He shows up every day and practices hard. He shows up every day and competes. He shows up every day and he earns the respect of his teammates and his coaches. And he does it by, you know, performing in practice. And he backs it up with the way he plays on game day. And you can go and you can list Nolan Johnson, Miles Berry, Fernando Fry, uh, any of those guys that maybe, you know, at, at times maybe didn't play as much last year that now all of a sudden, you know, those guys that are significant starters playing a ton, you know, performing on game day and they earn it by their, their performance during practice. So really excited for those two guys. And, uh, you know, they, I think they will continue to improve because they continue to go out and work that way every day at practice. Um, you know, in regards to Tank, certainly I appreciate everything that Tank has done, uh, you know, for the program since he's been here. You know, he made a decision to move on. Uh, wish him nothing but the best. Coach, we can take uh, Tyler Sneed for granted. When you, when you just cut on the tape and see what he did Friday night, uh, I mean, how valuable is he to, to this program, to this offense? I mean, all those things I was just talking about, that's Tyler Sneed. You know, I was sitting at practice yesterday and we're early in practice. It's a pack and go period where the receivers get loose and their quarterbacks get loose and they're working on routes uh, and 
you know, we talk a lot about practice habits. And we had a freshman receiver, and he, he catches a route, and he kind of turns and kind of trots up the field. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm coaching him, and I'm saying, no, 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 that's the, you know, you know we want to catch it, you know, sharp burst and really accelerate out of that, out of that, uh, out of that catch and get north right now. And, uh, you know, as I'm talking to him, Tyler's, you know, the next guy up in line. And I, and I just made the comment. I said, I said, you want to know what positive practice habits are? I said, you watch 22 every single snap. You know, he is a competitor. You know, when he's out there going against our defense and pass scale or one-on-ones, you know, he is trying to, to, to win every single rep. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, we did a perimeter drill where it's, you know, the receivers are blocking for the bubble screens and stuff like that. And if he's blocking, I mean, he's going to try to flat back you, you know, even at his size. Uh, and now he's going to probably tell you about it after he does it quietly under his breath because nobody can tell, uh, and which gets under the defensive kid's skins. But, you know, that kid competes every single day in everything he does. And he thinks he is the best player on the field, and he plays the chip on his shoulder. And because of that, you see him go out, you know, this past Friday night and, and have the game that he had, which is no surprise to any of us. Coach, I'm sorry to bring this up again, but the catch that was ruled a catch, the ball appeared to hit the ground Friday night. In your conversations with the league, did you get a satisfactory explanation as to why that call was not overturned? I did discuss that call with the league office. Did they give you an explanation that satisfied your question of that call? They gave me an explanation. Was the explanation that they interpreted to be a catch? I, I just, I've answered all I need to answer on that one. All right, well, I apologize. You're fine, thanks. Okay, are there any other questions for Coach Houston this afternoon? Okay, Coach, thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, guys. We're excited about this weekend. Go Pirates. Once again, that was Coach Houston's weekly press conference. Um, he, he, like I said, at the end of the at the end of the press conference, he was just like he, Al Minot from Bonesville. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I've never read Bonesville. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I honestly forgot they existed. I had to text somebody else, another media member. I had to text him. I was like, "Who is that guy?" Because <laughs> all the other media members were laughing. Like we were, we were all trying not to not trying not to smile or laugh or whatever. But when you ask the same question and coach Houston shuts you down three times in a row, you're going to, people are going to start smiling. You're going to I mean, start smirking. A, a, a smart person would get the hint. So, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. He's, he's a journalist. He, he's a journalist, just like you and I We're air, journalists. Air. We're journalists. Um, <laughs> man, it, it's comical that we say that now. Um, we're, we're we're media journalists. We're unbiased, right? Um, Very. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) But but at the end of it, Coach Houston goes, "Now it's time to think about Tulane. Now Mm -hmm. it's time to think about Tulane. Now it's time to think about Tulane." And that I think that leads us great. uh, I think that leads us well into our uh, discussion about the pregame show. The talking about 
Tulane, how e, how ECU matches up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Artie, I think this is going to be a I'll, – I'll, I'll say this. After the outcome Friday night, I think that ECU will come out and punch them in the mouth, and ECU is going to be pissed. And as you'll hear later on in, in the press conferences with Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell mm-hmm. and Coach Houston – They'll talk about the intensity from the press con- or uh, from the practices this week. They'll, they'll talk about these guys and how how they've overcome that adversity, how they've responded to it. And uh, I think ECU is going to come out. I I feel bad for Tulane. Like they're a good team, and I'm not I'm not sleeping on Tulane. But all I'm saying is, I feel bad for the sleeping giant that just woke up last week in Tulsa. Now and and I'm I'm kind of on the opposite end because I I agree with you, but at the end of the day I don't know if it's gonna matter how pissed off ECU is I I I really I really don't Tulane they they lose to good teams and the only teams they've lost to are good teams and they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and that's why they're sitting at three and four um, to me they average thirty six points a game. They don't have a quarterback that's going to wow you or put up all these, you know, big numbers, big stats. Um, but he's a he's an excellent game manager. Michael Pratt's his name. Excellent game manager. And they like to establish the run just like ECU. I think ECU is going to come out. They're going to try to punch him in the mouth. Absolutely. And I think they're going to be very pissed off. I just don't know if that's going to matter. This is going to be a good game, in my opinion. This game is going to be close throughout because Tulane is going to play them close. Yeah, I, I think that ECU does have more talent on offense. I think they have more skill. Um, much like we've said in the past couple of weeks, I think that if ECU can get their line to hold up, then we'll we'll see or we'll be on our way to an ECU victory. Right. Um, or at least until the refs blow it again. Um, <laughs> so, and if, if that happens again, I might just walk out. I might just walk out of the, <laughs> out of the press press box and be like, I'm done. <laughs> I, we'll, no, honestly, we'll cover that, football next that, year. That that officiating was an anomaly. We're not gonna we're not gonna see that again. Maybe in our lifetime. To be honest with you, that I was... hope not. I hope not. I almost blew a gasket. But uh, yeah, you you, you mentioned Michael Pratt, and I, I, I'm gonna kind of change it up on our on our rundown. We were gonna talk offense first. I might talk a little bit about our defense before mm-hmm. we talk offense. Um, Michael Pratt, freshman quarterback, out to lane. He's a, he's a six two two hundred pound kid out of Boca Raton um, he's thrown nine touchdowns four interceptions and he's passed for almost 900 yards already as a freshman um, the one thing I will say is coach Harrell friend of the podcast mm-hmm. the, he's got this defense looking very good right. I'm, I'm really pleased with how this defense has looked over the last three weeks and this this defense is very opportunistic. They've got ten turnovers in four games. They're, they've they're got gonna 10 turnovers in four games. They know how to get to the ball, and so and, that's what I love seeing about it. And that doesn't even include the ones that you know were called back. Right. We're looking at you, American Athletic Conference. <laughs> but but I, but I will say this: you know, Michael Pratt. He, to me, he's not. He's Michael Pratt's not not going to come out and beat us. He's not going to be the guy. For Tulane, they want to establish a legit run game. They've got four running backs with over 200 yards rushing on the season. 
they want to throw a lot of running back options at us and they want to beat us on the ground. If we can stop the run game, we might be able to win this game by two or three scores because that's exactly what they want to do. I think they average 220 rushing yards they, a game. They do. And so if, if we can stop that because that's what they want to do. They want to be a dominant run football team. So we have to understand we got a game plan for that. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing about it, I was looking, they, so right now Tulane is averaging, I think it's 36 points per game. Yeah. 36. And, and ECU is averaging or is giving up an average of 36 point, like three points per game. Mm-hmm. And then ECU is averaging 30.4 points per game. And then Tulane is giving up an average of like 30.3 points per game, which is crazy to me that it's like, it, it's like that it matches up like that. But to me, if ECU can do what they did in the first half against Tulsa, mm-hmm. in the first half against Tulane, and Holden Aylers comes out and has another great day like he did and shuts up the haters like he, he's been doing over the past couple of weeks, then we're, we're going we're gonna to be partying in, in Greenville, socially distanced, but we're going to be partying. Yeah, and I will say Tulane is not as good as as Tulsa. So if our no, defense can play as well as they did in the first half last week and our offense does what they do and also finish on drives, because there's a lot of drives, there's a lot of points we left on the board last week at Tulsa. We could have put Tulsa to bed early, but we, we, we just couldn't get it done. If, if we can do that, fix some of those small mistakes in this game, we beat Tulane handily. We beat them handily, to be honest with you. But it's going to depend on if we can actually finish drives and if our defense can be opportunistic again and get turnovers and, you know, um, handle and stop the run. So, Yeah, that, that's going to be the biggest thing. And I think that's, that's the thing that Coach Harrell in this defense uh, does well. They, they'll bring a, several different looks. Even on the same drive, they'll bring mm-hmm. two or three different looks. And they'll have – a freshman quarterback's going to be confused. He's going to see this. He's going to be confused. He, he's not going to know where they're coming from. Sometimes they'll stack the box and they'll only rush four. Right. Sometimes they'll stack the box and they'll bring the whole group. You know, it's that that's going to be the thing that I'm looking for is can ECU keep them on their toes and make force Michael Pratt. Is that the kid's name? Michael Pratt. Force right. him to turn the ball over, throw the ball in the air, and have Jaquan McMillan one of these guys, uh, Warren Saba, one of our, one of our, Sean Dorso, Jair Wilson. Jair Wilson is a rising star. There you go. Have one of these guys come up. These one of these DBs, these safeties, young safeties, mm-hmm. come down with a pick and force the ball out. And, and we, we saw ahead. that they can do that last week. They mm-hmm. can force the ball out. They can strip. But if they can go up and they can. They can ball hawk. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a long day for Tulane. It's gonna be a very long day for him. And I and I will say this: Tulane, yes, they have their starter is Michael Pratt. But don't be surprised if you see Keon Howard. That's their backup quarterback. He's gotten a lot of snaps. He's gotten a lot of touches. Um, I don't know really what they use him as, but I know his numbers are not that far off from Michael Pratt. So don't be surprised if you see he, two quarterbacks in the game for Tulane. He, he lost the job to Michael Pratt. Um, he lost the job to a true freshman. I, I don't okay. know exactly what happened. Um, so he's, he's not that great if he's losing his job to a true freshman. But you yeah. could see him in the game. Yeah. And then to think there were some ECU fans that wanted 
Hole Nailers to lose his job to a true freshman quarterback. I mean, granted, our true freshman quarterback is probably better than their true freshman quarterback because our true freshman quarterback is 6'4 and damn near 250 pounds. And he's a, a man damn monster. He's a man shout. And Mason Garcia is going to get that throwing accuracy down. And when he gets that accuracy down, watch the hell out. Yeah. And the thing, he's not even the quarterback that has the strongest arm on this team. That, yeah. that, that accolade goes to Ryan Stubblefield. That kid can – he can throw a ball pro, damn near 75 yards. So, wow. yeah, he's – and he's a true freshman too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this game, I think ECU and Tulane, I think they're very evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ECU does – so ECU has the better skill guys on offense. I, I, I just think that's true. Now, they don't have the depth in running back. You've got three running backs that are that can break off for ECU, but, I mean, like you were mentioning, Tulane has, yeah, like, yeah. four guys. Tulane's got four guys with 200-plus rushing yards on the season. It's but, absurd. But I guarantee Rajay Harris, that dude's a stud. And I, I, I'll take him over any guy in, in the conference. You know, at, at, at this point, I'm fully expecting Rajay Harris to do what Rajay Harris does. He's going to go out and get between 85 and 120 rushing yards. He's going to get his touchdown or two touchdowns. I'm fully expecting Rajay Harris to do his thing. It's if can Holton continue the consistency that he's had from last week? Can he, can he pick it back up and be the guy? Because Holton has to be the guy. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. He's got to be our guy. And can Tyler Sneed, can Blake Pro, can C.J. Johnson continue – to keep it up and, and, and have the kind of production that they're having the last few weeks. So that's really what it's going to come down to. Yeah. You, you I mentioned, fully expect Rajay to do his thing. You mentioned Tyler Snead. Uh, uh, that kind of takes me back to a, a comment that Coach Houston made in his press conference on Tuesday that we just played. Um, it, I mean, he, he talked about Tyler Snead. He talked about how that kid – he talked about his work ethic. And people forget Tyler Snead walked on. He was a preferred walk-on. Yeah. And now he now he's a leading receiver on this team. He's about my size wa- too. He's about my size. He's about five eleven, six foot, right at like one ninety five, two hundred. He's not Man, a big kid. You're giving yourself a lot of credit. Who you talking about? You're not that tall. I'm I'm five ten, one ninety five. He he ain't that much bigger than me. That's all I'm saying. He's not that much bigger. Man, I thought he, you were like he, I, th- I honestly I honestly thought you were like five nine. That's disrespectful. <laughs> that's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> so ECU's offense they they have the like I said they have the better skilled guys but uh like always Ehlers needs to he needs to be the difference maker with how our O-line's been this year our mm-hmm. O-line's been better over the past couple of weeks and uh I, I think Holden Ehlers is getting that getting in that group he's getting that confidence right to know okay I saw him he scrambled to his offside last week and threw across his body for a first down. A little like, Mahomes action there. Like, I saw him. I mean, he's lefty, so he's if he's rolling out, he rolls out to the right, and he, he's got to throw basically across his body. He's throwing at an awkward angle, but he still can he can still do that. And, uh, I mean, that that's the thing with, with him. He He's the guy that can be the difference maker. And yeah. he, he could throw him. We get – I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him throw for 350 yards this week. I wouldn't be surprised. 
And I and I honestly, I, I can't imagine if we had an excellent O line. Can you imagine this offense with a with a couple of All Americans on it, <laughs> with, with a couple of All American O line, you know, tackles I mean, on it? That, that would just be just, absurd. The kind of numbers we'd be putting up. But um, and 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 the O line has gotten better, but they haven't gotten good. I, I still don't consider this O line to be a good O line. There's just a lot of things they got to do. So Holton um, still has to scramble way too much for my liking. I'd like for my quarterback to every now and then be able to just sit in the pocket and just stay in the pocket and throw from the pocket. But, you know, we can't ask too much. Yeah, and he, he's gotten better at that doing that too. But um, we're, we're about to throw it over to the press conferences with um, the, the defensive coordinator. Sorry, I am, I've got fucking mush mouth right now. It's 1245. He's getting tired. And, yeah, your boy's, uh, your boy's about to sleep. Um, with, Co- with Coach Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast, Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick. Man, we got to get Don- Donnie Kirkpatrick on this podcast, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely and do. I-, I know he would. I, I know he's gone on to the unofficial podcast of Pirate Nation before, so uh, he needs to come on to the premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Um, we'll we'll talk to him. We we got we our schedules are just so crazy right now with uh, our work schedules. It, that that's the thing. We do this thing, and it's just the two of us, mm-hmm. and already work second shift. <laughs> yeah, with I work, I work, I work, not, I work eight thirty to five, usually we're later. On, we're working on trying to get the first shift like a normal human being. We're working yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, we we got to get you there, man. Because yeah. th- this shit, this uh, recording at midnight is for the birds. For the birds, exactly. But, but I do it because I love you, man. No, I appreciate you. Love you too, man. So what I was saying was we got a we've got the press conference with Coach Donnie Kirkpatrick, Coach Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast, and uh, we'll have Coach Houston's press conference from Thursday uh, mm-hmm. coming up here in just a minute. But the one thing, listen out for it in in the in the in the press conference with Coach Kirkpatrick. He he mentions it that that uh that interception that Holden Aylers threw last last week when. EC was backed up against the goal line. Mm-hmm. He said, he was like, that was on me, guys. Coach, you rarely hear a coach say that one was on me when it comes to an interception like that because it was an egregious interception. He said, look, I called the play wrong. He, mm-hmm. You don't hear coaches come out and say, I called the play wrong. Yeah. You don't hear that. It's on the player to make those adjustments. And he, he said, Holden Aylers made that adjustment. He noticed that the blocking scheme was called wrong. And so Holton was getting that scheme right, putting the running back in the right position for blocking. He had it called backwards. He had it flipped. And by the time Holton realized it, got it set, he realized he only had two to three seconds to snap the ball. Mm-hmm. And then you have your guard that just gets beat, and that that's that. The ball gets batted and it gets intercepted. And out and outside of that interception, Houghton had a flawless day. And yeah. He really had a flawless day. He, he so. was he was literally like nineteen of twenty one in the first half. Yeah, two incomplete passes in the first half. I'll take that any day. If you if you can give even if you throw an interception, if you give me nineteen of twenty one, I'll take it. Well, he well he finished with only ten incompletions. Period. He had 38 completions and 10 incomplete passes. So, I mean, he had a flawless day. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year, and if he stays another year, the year after, 
if you're seeing whole Naylor's name, like we saw, I saw a name earlier, Dylan Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw his name on the Heisman watch list. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that because whole Naylor's is showing that when he can, when he makes the right decisions and when he has time, he'll, he'll, he can be a goat. Well, and, and I, I think there's no doubt he comes back for his senior season. I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think there's any doubt. Well, he'll he'll be back for his senior season, but I mean, everybody has an extra year of eligibility now. So, right. right. Will he come back for that fifth will, year? Out? Will he come back for the fifth year? Will he go into the draft? Will he transfer? I don't think. I don't see him transferring. Hopefully, hopefully he just pops the fuck off next year and he goes into the draft. So that, that's best case scenario. Give give uh, Mason Garcia another year to mature underneath and and learn the system and uh, get get right in school. I know that there's been some question marks there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be the best case scenario for ECU get whole nailers in and then get send him off to the draft and then uh bring in Mason Garcia and let him take the reins because absolutely that dude's a baller. But uh yeah, let's go ahead and send it over to the press conferences with Coach Harrell, Coach Kirkpatrick, and Coach Houston. Um these these are the pregame press conferences. Um I, I enjoyed listening to listening to them. I wasn't actually on them. Um I got gotta say that the coaches seem ready, and from the coaches, it sounds like this ECU football team is chomping at the bit to hit the grass on Saturday and kick some ass. All right? Some more rhymes, Artie. Here's the press conferences. <laughs> You're trying. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Hey, Coach, how are you this evening? Good, good. How about you? Doing very well. We're going to go ahead and jump into uh, questions for Coach Harold. Coach, this was the, the biggest challenge with facing Tulane. They put up a lot of points this year. What what kind of stands out about them? Yeah, you know, I think as you look at the stats and you look at them, you know, watch them on film, I think it's a little bit different maybe. Um, they put up some impressive numbers offensively with scoring 37 points a game. Um, you know, they put up 66 against Southern Miss. We caught them uh, maybe – had a good time and, and got it clicking there and rolling and, and still put up, you know, a bunch of points against Houston, a bunch of points against SMU and, and some, some good good football teams. And then uh, – but the thing that stands out to me is just their, their run game. They're averaging 225 a game on the ground. I think that's second in the league. Uh, their running backs is probably their best overall position. And they got a group of them back there, 20, uh, number five, number 11. All, all three are, are, are special in their own way. 20 is a bigger kid. Uh, not quite as big as the kid from Tulsa, but still that, you know, 220, 225 pounds. So we got to make sure we do a great job tackling him. Uh, number 11, he'll play in the backfield. He'll play out wide. He'll come in motion, catch the jet. So you've got to make sure we know where he's at at all times. And, but that's that's the big thing that stands out to me, the run game. The quarterback's a young kid, but he throws the deep ball really well. Um, the explosive plays, he, he's really good at putting the ball down the field. And, I think they're putting him in situations where they can max protect and then three-man routes and, and take some shots down the field as well. So, they, you know, their, their offense coordinator, Will Hall, um, does a really nice job. I think he won the uh, the Division II Heisman uh, there in North Alabama when he was playing there. I uh, was, was a uh, coach of West Alabama when I was in Division II. Now, you know, at West Georgia, he won the national championship there. So he's done a really nice job everywhere he's been. And uh, he hasn't playing really well right now. Blake, your defense is getting better and better. Um, you're facing a good freshman quarterback this week in Michael Pratt, who's uh, thrown for nearly 900 yards already. Um, he's been pretty impressive so far for a freshman to step into this league and and find his way around. It seems to be getting better every week. 
He he is, and he's a name we're going to know for a long time. I mean, he's he's a kid that's gutsy with the ball. He's when I say gutsy, just if it's not there, he's going to take off scrambling. He's not going to slide, and he's going to pick up some yards with his feet. So does a good job with that. He's making good decisions. Really hasn't made a whole lot of bad decisions for a freshman quarterback. Um, and, and those are nice balls. So he, he's a kid that, you know, a year from now, he, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Hey, Blake, when you look at your cornerbacks, you know, and Nolan Johnson seems to be starting the last few weeks and Jaquan has come in later and kind of just flipped them or rotate them. And can you just expand on how that's kind of worked or kind of just thought process of, of what they've kind of done lately? Well, I, I think with our entire defense, the big key for us is keep them fresh and get them into the fourth quarter, and and, and hopefully we can play our best football in the fourth quarter there. And with Jaquan, he's playing both sides, field and boundary. Nolan's just playing the boundary right now. Malik is playing the field. So, um, you know, Nolan gives you that little bit more length and a little taller body, longer body up there. So you certainly like to have him on the field and, and get him out there. And, you know, if you had a jump ball situation or a ball down the field, he's able to knock it down. Um, but in Jaquan, being able to play both gives you some flexibility there. So that's kind of the thought behind it. And all three have done a really nice job the last couple of weeks. Coach, can you talk about as far as I know a tough Tulsa game, but as far as the injury piece of things, how are how are you guys uh, healthy on that side of the ball? You know, we're, we're healthy. We You have your, you know, nicks and bruises and banged up a little bit this time of year, but nothing that's going to keep those guys out of a ball game on Saturday. I mean, they've all been practicing all week, you know, uh, some of them were limited earlier in the week, but they're, they're fired up and ready to go and, and full speed uh, today in practice, and, and we expect them to be full speed on Saturday as well. Coach, you guys probably played the best half of, of football under your watch against Tulsa. What changed maybe in the second half? I know you don't want to get too far into the X's and O's, but what did they start doing that maybe gave you guys some problems? Uh, we didn't get them on third down. That was the big key. You know, in the first half, I think they were only three of, uh, three of 14, three of 16, something like that on third down. And three of the third downs they converted, one in the first half on a third and eight. And we, we just didn't match number two in the curl there. And then uh, in the second half, they had two three and ones, where in the first half, those three and ones were three and five, three and sixes. And we, we were, you know, executing on those downs. Three and one for us with a 230-pound running back was a little bit tough. And I think we did a great job of stopping the run. It gave them some flexibility. Um, and then first drive of the half, they, they went right down the field, get, you know, just didn't handle that really well, come out of the half like we should have. You'd like to set the tempo there at the first drive of the second half. Uh, but the key all goes back to, you know, stopping the run, putting them in third, uh, second and extra long, third and extra long situations where they're behind the sticks, behind the chains, and the success rate plays in our favor a little bit more. With everything the program has been through this year, what is it about this group of players that you feel makes them so resilient? They're a lot of fun to be around. Like, you know, we practiced Sunday night, Monday night this week just because of election day. And uh, I really thought Monday was one of our better practices of the year after coming off of all the circumstances that we've been throughout the season, Friday night, uh, middle of a pandemic, everything that you could, you could possibly imagine. They, they seem to put that to the side. And they go practice with what you see on Saturday with great effort and great energy and, and really fun group to be around. And it's fun because, you know, each time they touch the practice field, they're getting better and better. So that, that's been rewarding as a coach. Your group seems to cause a lot of confusion for offenses, a lot of shiftiness, a lot of fast guys out there. It's a pretty good-looking defense that you're putting together slowly but surely. And, um, you know, where do you feel like your defense is at right now and compared to where they kind of need to be? Well, I, I kind of thought, like, just looking back at it, stepping back in, in midsummer, uh, early camp, that it would take us 
it's a little wild just as a learning curve with a new defense, young guys that, you know, by midseason, if we could survive, that we, we'd have a pretty good, you know, pretty good group that was going to fly around and, and could do, get some things done. And we're just starting to see that. They're starting to, you know, improve each week, understand the scheme, understand the calls. And we're able to carry quite a few calls into a game, which is, which is nice and does create some confusion for the offense, whether it be the, the quarterback, you know, like the first play of the game, um, I think he was – we got pressure. He's expecting pressure and, and had an overthrow, and Warren Sabre was able to pick it. So that's – and that's a credit to our guys. They're able to handle all that. So they've been coming along each week, and it's just really nice to see them understand um, our scheme and didn't really buy into our culture as far as just playing hard, playing with maximum effort, you know, playing with great energy and, and pulling for each other. And that's what you really see right now is those guys – when somebody makes a play, we all make the play. And we, we call it juice points, but that's that's what it's about. It doesn't matter. Offense makes a play, we all make a play. Defense makes a play, we all make a play. So um, that's been really nice to see. And, you know, I think we got to keep pushing forward and, and and make sure that we have consistency throughout the game. I mean, uh, Stephen talked about the first half there. We got to make sure we carry that throughout a ball game. And, and that's part of, you know, being a little bit younger and being a little bit inexperienced, but we got to we got to overcome that and move on and get past it and put a complete game together. Coach, one of the only good things that happened this year as far as COVID is the extra year of eligibility, especially when you're trying to build a program. You're a new defensive coordinator this year, but you got to be happy with the way these guys are already responding. They bought into your schemes and on your side of the ball, and, and uh, it looks like they're having a lot of fun out there. They, they are, and I think that's, you know, that's they're having fun. Coaches are having fun. It's, it's, a, it's a good environment right now, and, as you said, you know, we look out there and it doesn't matter who you're playing each week. You're like, well, this guy, we got him for four more years or three more years or five more, whatever it may be. So that's really exciting. And, and you look across the field and you're like, well, that kid, you know, he's a senior. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he won't. So you're looking at a lot of the teams we're facing in the conference are senior dominated up front or senior dominated a certain position. So that I think that advantage plays in us for years to come. I was going off Mark's question earlier about, you know, kind of the scheme and where you guys are. Compared to Kennesaw State, when you had a, a full spring practice and everything, how far are you along in, in your installation? Do you still have stuff you can put in? I, I think you can always tweak things. Um, I, I would say we're probably further along at this point um, than we were there at that time. You know, was, I was there for one season. We did have spring ball, but we've been able to handle a whole lot here, which, is, which has been really good. And it says a lot for our players and, and our coaching staff. So that, that's, uh, that's been really good. Um, and we can add a few more things here and there, but the focus right now is hey, what we have and what we're going to take in a ball game. Get you know, being really sharp and really crisp with that, and, and execute at a high level. Okay, we've got time for one more question for Coach Harrell. All right, seeing there is none, Coach Harrell. Thanks for your time. Hey, appreciate you guys. Y'all take care. Okay. How we doing? Hey, DK. How are you, sir? I'm good. Yourself? Doing well. We're just going to go right into questions for Coach Kirkpatrick. Let's do it. Hey, Donnie, I want to ask you, uh, Coach Houston recently has talked about, even the, the South Florida game, how walkthroughs have kind of been telling going into games and how that's been kind of a, a thing with players and coaches that you all have noticed that's been a real positive. Um, can you just kind of expand on that and with the offense, have you noticed the same type of thing during those walkthroughs kind of leading up to games? Yeah, I really have. Uh, you know, I think what, what it is, it's a maturing process of the guys learning how to to stay on task throughout the week. Uh, there, there was a little bit of at the beginning, and I think last year, 
just kind of after Wednesday's practice, okay, you know, Hayes in the barn, work's done, you know, tomorrow's a helmet practice, Friday's a travel day or a walkthrough, you know, there's some meetings and stuff like that. And uh, there's a lot of things that really get cleaned up, you know, after the hard physical practices on Tuesday and Wednesday that I think now they're just starting to understand that uh, those mental preparations and those last few walkthroughs uh, are where you, where you eliminate so many of the mistakes and where you start to learn the game plan. And amazingly, they're just now starting, I think, the last couple of weeks to realize that we kind of call the first couple of plays, you know, in those walkthroughs because then you kind of know, you know, how you're going to, orchestrate the the first part of the script you know on Tuesday and Wednesday you're still just running plays for the most part and trying to learn how to block those fronts or how to attack those coverages and, and there's no order to it necessarily or it's in segments of this is just third down this is first down you know this is red zone even but then in the Thursday and Friday walkthroughs I mean, we're like doing the script. Like, this is going to be the first play of the game. You know, and this is going to be the first third down call. And this is going to be the first play when we get to the – so it's really valuable when they start to understand that and get comfortable with that. And and that just now are those walkthroughs starting to really start, I think, to show that they've matured. And it's showing on the field, I think. Coach, uh, just how can you assess Holton's play against Tulsa? And is it a case where if he plays that good every week, you guys are going to have a shot to win? I got to think so. I, he played uh, every play but one play. Had one bad play in the in the game, and really it was my fault. Uh, to be honest with you, the interception, I'll take the blame for that. Uh, I called the play wrong. I called the the, the protection backwards, and uh, I thought the back was lined up wrong. So I was you know on the headset saying, "Hey, the back's lined up wrong." They're like, "No, you called it that way." Well, Houghton actually caught that, and he he corrected the play and got us in the right play. But there was a little bit of a sense of frantic because he looked up and there was like two, three seconds left on the on the play clock. So we had to get it snapped quick. Well, then a guy got beat, we got some pressure. And he did the one thing that he's, you know, he's, he, he did better. He When the play breaks down and you've just got to play that it was there, but we missed our opportunity, then don't just force it. Don't just try to then, you know, turn it into something. And he threw a really, really poor ball and it got intercepted. And I tell you what, besides that, he was dead on. I mean, every throw, every read, just everything he did. I mean, you know, I didn't think about it during the game that much, but I know that I had a lot of confidence that 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 he was playing well. But then, you know, when I started watching the film on the on the bus and on the flight home, I was like, damn, this dude played good today now. I was like, that's what I'm talking about right there. You know, I went kind of caught up, walked back, and everybody else was asleep and woke him up and said, man. That is that was and you've had some bigger numbers, but you've never played any better than that. It was so efficient. He was just so dead on. Coach Honey, Tough Break on Friday night. Yeah. Just want to ask you about uh, how are the players responding this week? Uh, I know there it's a good thing as a coach you have the next game to to focus on. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if we'd been an airplane pilot or something, I guess we'd have been done after that one, you know, that somebody had shot us down or something out there. <laughs> you, you wouldn't get to go again. So thank goodness we're not in that profession, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't know. The players, they, they flush it pretty good, I think, after the next day. I think one of the good things is when uh, when you put that game away after you watch the tape and then you start practicing for the other team, and I don't know, they move on now. You know, the coaches, I have a harder time the next day 
I, I drag a little bit after, you know, we don't, we don't win, you know, it's like you worked, you know, you worked all week and you didn't get paid or something, you know, well, this was no good, you know, but I think they kind of put it behind them. And, you know, coach Houston's done a great job with that. He told them, you know, it is what it is and let's move on. Nobody, nobody cares really. I mean, I, well, they do, the Pirate fans care, you know, whatever, but nobody else really cares about that. And, and so uh, we're, we're just kind of on to the next one right now. And we've, we've had a good week of practice. And I don't – nobody's brought up last week any, to be honest with you. It's all been Tulane. We have great respect for Tulane and what they've done there. Uh, and uh, we're expecting a really hard-fought ball game. And we, we'll have to play well. But if we play well, we're getting to the point where we feel like we have a chance to win every time we go out there. Donnie, when you look at this matchup between you guys and Tulane, how well do you match up against them? And when you look at the, the video and you're trying to put something together for this week, um, how good of a ball game is this set up to be? Well, I, I think we do. I think we match up well. Now, the one thing is we haven't played them. And to be honest with you, I haven't played any of these kids. So it's been a long time since I played Tulane. And uh, I know that Houghton was telling me about, you know, the, he, they played down there and, and some stuff. So, I mean, he's played against a couple of these kids. So sometimes film's a little deceiving. You know, you're, you're not 100% sure. You know, once you played a team, then you kind of, I know this guy, you know, well, I know he's legitimately that fast or that tall or this is how he plays. So I don't know. This will be a little bit of a feeling it out type deal. But I think right now we're just, we're just concentrating a little bit more on us. You know, I think we've got some kids that feel like they can go compete against anybody in the country. That's what we want them to feel like. I think they're probably right. Um, we do have to play well. We have to be on our game. We have to have that passion. We have to have that energy, which we've had the last month. You know, there was a game earlier in the year that we did not. We just did not have that. I don't know why, you know what I'm saying? And like I say, that's my job to get the offense to have it. Um, but they're, they're getting now where they're more consistently doing that. And so uh, it's got all the makings of being a really good game. This whole league, everybody can play everybody pretty close right now. And then you throw in there sometimes somebody's out. You know, which you never truly know, you know, who's out and who's in till you get out there on the field. You know, pregame, we got about four guys searching down. All right, I see number two. I see number four. You know, I see number seven. Ooh, no 91, no 91, you know. So you're looking like he may be out uh, because there's injury. And then there's this other mystery thing out there a little bit, too, that's getting some people. So, and nobody tells you about that. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't watch on film and say, oh, dude looks like he's got a temperature or something. Maybe, you know, maybe he's got some signs or something. You can see a guy when he gets injured, you go, oh, you know what? He didn't play in the fourth quarter. Remember in the third quarter, he, he got hit and he kind of limped or something. So there, there's a lot of stuff there that you just don't know. But uh, defensive, they got eight starters back from last year's team. So they've got some experience, got a lot of respect for a couple of their guys too. The, the two defensive ends, you, you better have a game plan for them. The, the line one linebacker who did not play last week uh, can really cause some tough times out there. And uh, you know, so they're, they, they, they're used to winning. They were a bowl team last year. So they had a great win. They, I mean, they, they beat Temple a lot. We were surprised when I saw that. I was like, wow, that's a big win. Uh, over Temple because we've got a lot of respect for Temple from last year having played them. Uh, so anyhow, I don't know. It's going to be fun to be home uh, again and play and, uh, you know, what, whatever our crowd is or whatever. But uh, even if they're not there, we fill them there a little bit too. So we're just, we're just kind of ready to go play. You know what I'm saying? I'm really looking forward to it.
Coach, what are your, your thoughts as far on the tight end position? Are you happy with that production? Do you feel like there could be more there? Well, they're not getting as many catches. I say that to Fontel all the time. You know, I say, I, I say, you know, I wish we were getting them a little more involved in the throwing game a little bit because Shane Calhoun can really be good at that. The problem is there, there's only one ball. And Sneed's a damn ball hawk. I mean, I'm telling you now, okay? You know, so so it's like, you know, if you, if you played quarterback and you get a guy and he's open and, you know, he's hot, you're going to keep feeding the guy, you know what I'm saying? And, and I probably lean that way a little bit too because of that. And, you know, so there's only one ball. And then, you know, you know Raji needs his touches, you know, too. So uh, I don't want to get too far away from, from him because, you know, he's a big play looking for a place to happen all the time, too. So we've just got a lot of guys that can, can get the ball and can, can make plays right now. You know, I, I'm telling the offense, I just, we should be scoring more points. You know what I'm saying? We're moving the ball pretty consistently. We punted twice last week. We had two punts, and they were two of the first three drives. So sometimes you are kind of getting your legs under and you're getting your feeling. And them, them dudes were good on defense now. They, 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 I'd watched them shut some pretty good offenses down. And so uh, we were playing well. The turnovers are killing us, you know what I'm saying, with that, especially early. And, and that's what's keeping us from scoring some points. We, uh, we did miss, I thought, a great opportunity in the red zone last week. We had a first and goal from the four. And I was a little stubborn now. I thought first and go before you ought to be able to run it in. And we didn't do that. And so, you know, I, that, that's not going to call a better game there, I guess. But uh, we, we should be scoring more points. I, I'm off the question of the tight end. I, I'm sorry for that. But uh, I, I would – but you know what? They're blocking well, though. I'm telling you what. You know, there's so much that the tight ends have to do. Uh, again, we tell the kids all the time, you can't judge how you play totally by how many catches you get at receiver and tight end, you know, until you just have to take what you can get and make the most of it. You're talking about scoring points in close quarters. Have you guys uh, added anything to the to the mix, to the recipe, to try to put yourselves in a better position? Well, yeah, yeah you, you always have a couple of things, I think, each week, you know, that, that you do. And every week we've done that. And uh, – you don't get too far away from what you do, though, either. The thing is, you just there's some of those things down there. So, you know, it, you need the ball in the right hash, you know, because you got a left-handed quarterback, or you need the ball here, you know, for certain plays because you don't have much room down there, and you have to be really precise. And then they give you some different looks, you know, down there. Teams do usually they're a little more blitz, a little more pressure, but they don't have to cover you very far. You, you know, you can't you can't run by anybody, so they can really get up on you. So there are certain things that work down there, certain things that, that, that are out of your play your playbook or your play sheet, you know, when you're down there. We always try to have a few surprises. You know, the game has turned into you, you better have a lot of two-point plays uh, because the game's so aggressive right now and because of the overtime rules. And then you you better have some fourth down calls too because you're going to go for it. You know, we've, we've scored twice, I think, on fourth down. Uh, in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, going for a little bit more on fourth down this year, I think it's paid dividends for us. We, we just got to hold on to the ball and score a few more points. So, because I think we're good enough to do that. Okay, we have time for one more question for Coach Kirkpatrick. What's Coach, it been like just to watch the growth this team has had so far this season? It's, it's fun. That's the part I think you enjoy about the coaching is seeing the kids grow up and get better. And, and those things, I wish the results was there right now. You know, it's like we're talking last week, you are what you are. 
but you know, record wise, cause it's a win business. And that's really in the end, that's all it that really matters. But there is a process to winning, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're coming from, we're, we're so much different team than we were last year. I mean, we're, we're in games so much more competitively. We, we didn't compete with Tulsa last year. We, we had them beat this year. We're, we're seeing all that. We, the schedule's much tougher this year than it was last year. We don't have the non-conference games. We don't have those things to kind of get us going. But the kids are fun right now. We're having fun at practice. Uh, you know, we say they always remember November, you know, those games. And it's got the feel, you know, of when they were in high school playoffs. You know, it's dark out there now while we're practicing. It's nice and cool. It's football feeling type weather. And when we've got some kids that like football right now. We, we still might have a few that don't. Uh, they're kind of getting weeded out a little bit, the ones that don't like football. So the ones we're out there playing with right now like football, and you got to like football to be good at this level. So they're fun to be around right now. And, and it's not just one or two kids. It's a, it's a bunch of them. It's really almost all of them. Donnie, thank you for your time, buddy. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, see you. Um, practice week's wrapped up. Uh, excited about Saturday. It's going to be good to be back at home. Uh, quality opponent coming in here. Uh, and the more and more you look at them, just a very, very solid football team. Uh, tremendous challenge for us, but the kids are really excited. Players, uh, players and coaches are all very, very excited for the, uh, for the game. Uh, looking forward to getting back out on the field. Coach, I guess the obvious question is, what would a victory do for you guys this weekend at this point in the proceedings? Well, I mean, it's, it's the same thing every week is just, uh, I mean, I think winning at this point with progress that we've made, you know, certainly it continues to validate uh, all the hard work that the players are putting in. Uh, and, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's what you try to do every time you go out. I mean, you know, you play the game to win. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, you compete to try to, 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 to get a win each weekend. So it'd be a, you know, be a great moment for us. Coach, with, with Rajay, you know, he's obviously been running the ball well, but he has fumbled a few times. It seems like he's fighting for extra yardage when that's happening. Is that just kind of a, a young guy learning to either go down or wrap up more? Yeah, I mean, you know, defenders are going after the ball a lot more at this level than they did at the high school level, so it's part of being a freshman. Uh, he's a kid that's very competitive, uh, takes a lot of pride in his play, and so he's worked, uh, he's worked very hard on just doing a great job with his ball security when he gets in traffic. Uh, and, you know, I, I really feel like he'll continue to improve with that. Kind of going on that, how has Keaton Mitchell been? And how important is he maybe in that role now? Raji obviously has kind of gone to the forefront, but you always kind of need that second speed guy to dispel him every now and then. Well, I mean, I think as both of those guys develop, you know, I really see them being a tandem. Uh, and, you know, they're – ideal for what we want and uh, Keaton has continued to improve uh, you know, he's battled a few uh, you know minor injuries that slowed him down a little bit but he's healthy now he's had a good week of practice uh, and I just say both of those guys have a really high ceiling and so I think they're going to be a great one-two punch hopefully this Saturday uh, but certainly for many years to come. Coach against Tulsa it was Luke Larson who handled punting duties can you just talk about what went behind that over John Young and how that position could look moving forward? Well, John was battling uh, a minor injury last weekend, and so he was not available to punt last Friday night. Uh, he did hold for uh, PATs and field goals, so Luke handled all the, all the punting duties. Um, you know, I, I, I see they compete uh, each week, and I list them as co-starters. We've used both of them in multiple ball games this year, and so – 
you know, we're just really going to, you know, see how the week finishes up and uh, we'll use one or the other or maybe both. So what has the team kind of voiced amongst themselves? What's the, what's the big motto this week and what's they've been saying amongst themselves in terms of coming into this week's game and trying to get this program over the hump a little bit? Well, I mean, they, they, they want to be the group that does that and they, they want to win. I mean, I said that they're very single-minded in their focus. Uh, they're excited about their continued positive play, but they want to win. And so, uh, you know, I, I, thought, I thought we could see that vividly with the way they approach practice on Monday, uh, which is the first, you know, big physical practice coming out of the weekend. So um, I anticipate having a very solid Friday and I anticipate them being ready to go at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Um, and I would, I would be very disappointed if we did not have a great effort Saturday. I know you mentioned uh, earlier in the week special teams kind of being an emphasis. Yeah. Can you expand this? Is that maybe the, the return game, some of the, the couple things Tulane does, or what kind of specifically do they do well? Well, I mean, you know, their punter's averaging about 47 yards a punt. Uh, so I think he, that maybe has got to be top in the conference. If it's not, uh, it's close. But uh, I think he does a great job flipping the field. Um, I think they're very number one. They're very sound with their schemes, but two, they just play so hard on special teams. I've been very impressed with that. You know, you guys might look at a stat and see if their kickoff team doesn't have great stats as far as coverage, but they've onside kicked like five times, uh, and they've have given up one return. And so I think that skewed the uh, the stats a little bit because you know they do a great job in coverage. Um, you know, return game uh, number four is a dynamic returner. Number 11 is a dynamic returner, so I think they've got guys that can make uh, make big plays. Four had a long long return, should have been for a touchdown against UCF. So I just think, you know, as I watch them, they're just they're very solid in every phase of the special teams uh, game, uh, and they can they can they can hurt you with their coverage units and with their return units. So I've really challenged our groups this week that, you know, we've got to be up to the task. I was going off that Josiah, outside of the one that he dropped, he seemed to be pretty explosive in that phase last week. Did you like what you saw there? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing with him is, you know, I want to continue to get him experience because with that experience, he has the big playability. And so he's just got to continue to learn, you know, handling kicks, uh, you know, when to fair catch it, you know, when to try to take it for the return you know, judging where he's at on the field. Uh, and that'll continue. He'll continue to improve the more experience he gets, but certainly he has that big playability. Are there any other questions for Coach Houston this evening? Yeah, I have a question. Um, this is a bit of a different topic, but do you have any comment on the former JNU player, Ben Danucci, starting for the Cowboys last week? I was, I was really proud of Ben. Uh, I texted with him early in the week. Uh, he was excited for the opportunity. And just, you know, knowing, uh, you know, when, when Ben came to us from Pitt, uh, you know, he had had some struggles there at Pitt and just had, wasn't a good situation for him. Uh, and just really proud of the way he turned his career around there at JMU with us. And uh, just so excited for him getting that opportunity in Dallas. Um, I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan, so that made it a little bit extra special. And I, I would like to have seen him get the win. So uh, hopefully they give him a shot again this week. I don't know if they're going to or not. But uh, just it's exciting to see a guy that uh, that played for you getting that opportunity. I was also wondering if 
you would deem any of your current players right now draft eligible, maybe Tyler Sneed, Jake Verity, or Holton Ehlers? Well, I think we have several that have the potential for that. Um, hopefully we've got them for a little while longer before that becomes a, uh, a reality. But uh, certainly I think we have some guys, talented guys on the roster here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Coach Houston, thank you for your time this evening, sir. Thanks a lot, guys. See you Saturday. See you, sir. Once again, that was the press conferences with Coach Houston, Coach Kirkpatrick, and Coach Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast. Uh, we, we got to shout out another friend of the podcast today, uh, Mike Golick. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to we got yeah, to shout. Big, by the way, he's he's going to be hosting a a game show. Like a, yeah, small like trivia game show. You can play it at the if you're at I believe you if you're at the game you can play it. I I know I, I listened to a podcast where the guy that actually started it. It's a former actual actually it's a former NHL player that started this um, this kind of idea. So um, I know I listened to him talk about it on Spin Chicklets, mm -hmm. the uh, podcast from Barstool. I don't like Barstool. I don't know why y'all like us. Um, I'm hoping a lot of y'all like Barstool. <laughs> I like Barstool. I, I'm, I'm a stoolie myself. Um, but yeah, I. If you, we we are not a podcast for uh, the uh, FC was FCC or F, FCA. FCC uh, won't let me be so let me be oh, me. Yeah. We we definitely align ourselves more Barstool. Oh yeah, I mean you can't you can't censor a podcast. That, that's why that's why we do this. No. You can't censor us, baby. And that to mention that, Artie, we, we got invited on. I'll uh, go ahead and say, I think it's the Roll Blob podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the fire that we were putting in that DM, in those DMs well, that <laughs> I was putting in. I don't know if you read those messages. I, I did. I, I read the messages. We're, we're going to be on We're gonna be on the Roll Blob podcast next week. I am, at least. I don't know. I wanted to say that uh, some of those stories you were saying were fabricated, but they were not. They were all true because you've done all those things. So <laughs> you're going to want to, we're, we're going to go on there next week uh, in, in preview of the Cincinnati game. Uh, if you don't know the Roll blog podcast is a podcast for Xavier. They cover mm -hmm. Xavier basketball. And of course, Xavier hates Cincinnati, but they don't have a football team. So they asked us to come talk about Cincinnati and uh, they, they like our work. So they, they, they want us to come uh, shoot the shit and, uh, talk ECU Cincinnati and they told us to bring the heat and I told them I can bring the heat. Well, that's exactly what we did. What, what we'll do. If they want us to bring the heat, we'll bring the heat, baby. We ain't got no Man. problem. With that. I, I, no I, yeah. Go, go check out the roll blog podcast and uh, we'll, we'll be on there next week. Uh, they, they put out an episode every Friday. We'll, we'll be on there next Friday. Um, so Artie, we let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about this. Uh, we, we put out a tweet today. With so much turmoil in, in America and and so much going on in the world right now, uh, we, we put out a tweet saying there's been so much negativity. Send us some uh, send us some positivity. Mm -hmm. so I, I want to talk about some positivity right now. Okay. All right. Let, let me see if I can get this link to open. All right. Maybe I can't. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm terrible with technology sometimes, man. All right. Do you have the tweet in front of you? I don't. I don't. Hold on. Here, pull it up. Get, All right. Let me get to the Twitter. You're talking about the one that we sent out, right? 
Yeah, the one we sent out. I'll, I'll, I'll read some of those. Okay. Um, here, A Spooner. So A Spooner, this guy, he's the one that I uh, I, I've sent a picture of the screenshot or the obituary to my yeah. whole family. I said, hey, put write this obituary, write my obituary like this obituary is written. Basically, he talked about how how much of a fan his dad was um, of ECU, mm-hmm. and then um, Coach Houston actually tweeted about it, saying like saying that he was thankful for loyal pirates like Joseph Blanks. Um, and then Coach Houston shared his story. Uh, so Joseph Blanks, he passed away, I believe it was about two weeks ago. Um, and his, his obituary talked about how he, he just couldn't stand it with ECU being on a bye week. He couldn't just live to see another bye week or whatever. Um, he said that the Navy game, uh, what was kind of the final nail, um, Go go read it. I we we retweeted it way back a couple weeks ago. Go read it. Um, that that's that's one of the better obituaries. So a, a Spooner said, uh, having Coach Houston tweet that he shared my dad's story to the team before practice the week after he passed away made my brother and I smile and proud to know he's our coach. Um, yeah, awesome a, stuff, man. that's awesome. A, a Spooner, we are uh, we're proud. To that uh, coach Houston is our coach and, and we're proud that he, he shared that and uh, just know that we're, we're still thinking about you. We know grieving is hard. So we're, we're still thinking about you um, mm. during this tough time. All right. Uh, another one, John Smith. Uh, so uh, John Smith, he, he's a friend of the podcast. He hasn't been on, but uh, he, he's another member of the media. Um, he, he has a radio station called seven cities talk radio, I believe. He covers ECU out of, I believe, Richmond or up near Richmond, Virginia. Um, he said tons of positives this year, but the most positive has to be adding little Elliot to the Pirate family. And then he showed showed us a picture of his yeah, – uh, The picture is sweet. He's got, he's got the little boy with the, with the uh, PD mascot stuffed, uh, stuffed mascot behind him and the, yep. and the little uh, – the Pirate flag sitting on him. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and then we had Sean Britton, who said he started his own podcast. Congratulations, Sean. So do we. Um, <laughs> we uh, you're going strong. I, I I tried to look up what your podcast was about. I still don't quite understand it. So if you want to, uh, he covers the LCS. I don't know what that is. I, I don't. I'm sorry, Sean. I don't yeah. know what this. Yeah, Sean. If you if you want to talk to us about the LCS, slide in our DMs. We'll we'll talk to you about the LCS. Let us. Preach us some knowledge, man. Well, we're, we're down. Um, our boy Petey at the ECU mascot. Petey says, I started a new job, about to pay off half my remaining student debt. Congrats, Petey. Congrats. That uh, part. Yeah. That part. <laughs> That's probably the best thing I've done in 2020 is pay off my damn student debt. So then uh, you got James Fletcher, um, MD. Dang. A doctor in the house. He said, my wife and I got to welcome this new little pirate fan into the world. Uh, congratulations, James. You got a cute kid. Um, <laughs> what? It's just the way you said that. Congratulations, <laughs> James. You got a cute kid. <laughs> oh, Shout out to James, though. Shout out to James. Yeah, yeah. Con- congratulations, James. Congratulations to you and your wife. Go Pirates. 
uh, Dan Rosenblum, friend of the podcast. He's also a host of uh, the other ECU podcast, the Sports Objective, um, the unofficial podcast of Pirate Nation. Uh, he said he also, Artie, do you know this? Dan Rosenblum and I went to the same high school. I think you told me this like six times, but yeah, I knew that. <laughs> we, we, just a fun fact, he and I both went to North Davidson High School. This is a part of Jared's random trivia that he'll give you just out of the blue. Did you know that on this day this happened? Yeah, this, this. You, you told me this weeks ago. Artie, I am, I am a uh, wealth of uncommon <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> that I can vouch for. That, that, that you are. Uh, he, but Dan says uh, he got a new job at a great company. Got a promotion. Wow. <laughs> cool. That, that's uh that's superman uh i got laid off but then got it got a new job <laughs> myself so uh congratulations you said your wife got pregnant with with a fourth wow wow i can't even imagine I, yeah kudos to that i don't want four kids <laughs> shout out to him <laughs> <laughs> he joined a country club and have played the most golf he ever he has ever had um 2020 has been great yeah, 2020 has been pretty damn good, Dan. I, I, I agree with you. Um, and then – being right? What's that? You're being sarcastic, right? It's been okay. Uh, it ain't been great. <laughs> well, I guess to some. I guess to some it's been great. Um, yeah, man. I digress. Go ahead. Oh, man. Um, so then we had, a, we had T-Rav at T-Such Pirate. He said he subscribed to the Boneyard podcast. That's the that's, best thing anybody could do this year. That's that's the best one. That wins. That takes the cake, bar none. Nah, Artie. Honestly, the next one, the last one, takes the cake. Okay, what is it? So uh, this guy, uh, I'm guessing his name's Christo- Christopher. His uh, Twitter name is Christopher at F O U L K S underscore C. Yeah. Christopher, Christopher said he he got a new job, new apartment, first time living with no roommates. Got a new truck. What kind of truck do you get, Christopher? Very, uh, very important question, Jerry. We want to know. And then he said, uh, "Golf game has never been better. Fully healthy and can't complain." Artie, Christopher <laughs> then slid in our DMs okay. not not three hours later and said. I sent y'all this tweet, and no short of a lie, I hit my first hole-in-one in my career today yeah, yeah, in golf. Yeah, the hole-in-one. Okay, I, I remember now. I remember. This guy <laughs> – so I was like, holy shit, you, you hit a hole-in-one like after, after sending that tweet? He said, boys, I would just like to add that after this tweet, I got my first career hole-in-one. So, yeah, pretty decent year I got going. Love the pod. Keep it up. Go Pirates. Uh, Christopher, let us know that. Put it in the uh, put it in the uh, review section on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. We'll, we'll love you forever. Um, and then we we honestly we uh, this was me responding. I said, "Holy shit! Do you have a picture? We'd love to share it around." Wow, fun fact: we have a pack that whenever we hit our first hole in one, we'll buy the other one steak. So mm. eventually, Artie's gonna have to buy me steak. <laughs> Artie's gonna have to learn how to hit the ball further than 45 feet to for me to have to worry about buying him a steak. 
Hey, man. I, so, look, if, if, I, if I get up under it, it's a good shot. I just never get up under it. That's the only problem. And then he sent us a picture of, uh, of himself and, and his witness. He said, old man Richard, can't, can't see, but I'm wearing my pirate belt. Buddy of mine, Chris Polos, also ECU class of 2017. Shout out. Uh, got his first hole-in-one a few months ago, too. Congratulations to you and him. Uh, we already we have a fraternity brother that he's been a witness on like seven hole in ones. Did you know that? I I did not know that. Who is this? Is it Pinto? No, it's Walters. Wow. Yeah, he's always <laughs> posting it. Yeah, and then I I said, uh, where were you? What hole? First thoughts. He said he's he was at Chichi Rodriguez in Clearwater, Florida, hole eleven. Mm. It's over water, and I usually top it right into the water. Sounds like you, Artie. Uh, <laughs> when the ball was in the air, I was like, actually, like, oh, wow. That's a good line. Just a little too far, but it stuck firm and had a ton of spin and spun back about four or five feet. Dude, that's a, that's a PGA shot. Mm-hmm. My, ball ain't, my ball ain't spinning back. My ball is sticking. Some, in, yeah, you put some backspin on it? Yeah, you know what you're doing. My, my, ball, my ball's sticking in the ground, or it's rolling off the green. Um, and dunked right in the hole. Pretty hype. More disbelief than excitement, to be honest. That's uh, <laughs> Christopher. That that that's uh that that's awesome. Congratulations, congratulations to everybody that sent us in and to all the Pirate Nation. It, it's it, hey, this this year's been hard on a lot of us, mm-hmm. but any day to, that you're a pirate is a good day. So uh, yeah, just just be proud that you're a pirate and. Um, keep keep it moving because hey, we're, we're still alive. We're still kicking. So I mean, that's 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 enough right there to be happy and thankful for. So count your blessings and continue to do the things you want to do in this life. Yeah. So Artie, we uh, we we've talked so much about positive things going on. Uh, do you have do you have a walk the plank? I do have a walk the plank, and I just thought about it. It's something a little different. You want me, you want me to go ahead and go? Uh, here. Do you want me to go first, or you want to go first? I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and say mine. Okay. My, my walk the plank is an entire conference in college football, and it is the Big 12 Conference. What a freaking mess the Big 12 Conference is. The last qualifier for the playoff, which was Oklahoma State, lost to a two-loss Texas team at home this past weekend. And with that loss, the Big 12 is done. Pirate Nation, and not just Pirate Nation, but everybody, we've been telling you, the Big 12 was pretenders. They've been pretending for the last two, three years. We know this. They have great offenses, but nobody in their conference has good defenses, which means nobody in their conference can actually compete with big boys like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, whatever you want to say. What do, you mean a, what do you mean a Lincoln-Riley coach team doesn't have a good defense? They can't hang. They can't hang. I'm sorry. I love Lincoln-Riley, but his defense can't hang. <laughs> and so – That conference is completely done, which now opens the door for a Cincinnati if they run the table and win the American and also have a few other teams in the conference get into the top 25. They have a legitimate shot. But getting back to the Big 12, walk the damn plank. You guys are pretenders. And I'm also going to say the Pac-12, they come back this weekend, but I don't believe in the Pac-12. Oregon's going to have two losses, and that's their best team in the conference. And I'm and mark my words. I'm saying it right now. Big 12, Pac-12 pretenders. 
they can both walk the damn plank. Damn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got you got Clemson in the ACC, and other than that, you you, you ain't got shit other than Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's only there for this no, year. Look, 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 Clemson's good. Notre Dame's good. Carolina's good. Okay. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw shade at Carolina. Carolina Carolina's got two losses now to two Miami, Miami's a good football team. They've got four to five teams that that are good and that can beat anybody on any given Saturday. The I, I just have that. I, I think I also think that had UNC played UCF week one, UNC would have got curb stomped like they were supposed to. That's debatable, but you know who knows. But. Anyways, uh, y'all, y'all know my, my hatred for, for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's that. My walk the plank, Artie, I was sitting there watching the election the other night, uh, really just trying to figure out, okay, like. An election that's still going on. Yeah, I, ha- I still have no idea. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't fucking know. I'm not going to lie, I stopped watching. Yeah, I, I keep up with it. I hear people talking about it. I'm just like, okay, not, not, not my, not a big deal to me. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get skewered for saying that it's not a big deal. It's a big deal, but it's to me, it's like, okay. At, at this point, we should have had a damn answer by now. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, but anyways, my walk the plank, Artie. Um, during election night, uh, the, the one, probably the one sports league that needs the best marketing decided that they were going to announce, have an awards announcement show on ESPN during the election night while everybody else is watching the election. Nobody's going to ESPN. They're on Fox News. They're on CNN. They're on MSNBC. You're maybe on C-SPAN. I don't know. Do they do election coverage? ABC. Not all those. They're not on ESPN. Rob Manfred, this asshole... Again, again, I talked about you last week, Rob, you piece of shit. (laughs) You, I think this is how that discussion had to have gone down. Hey, we got to go put a, we got to hand out these gold gloves. When's, when's an open time on the, on the TV schedule that we can get in and give, give out these gold gloves. And they were like, Hey, what about the, the night that, uh, you know, the biggest presidential election of our lifetime is going on. Why don't we do it then? Let's try to take, let, let's try to, let's try to just slide in there. And really, I think they did it because they knew that people were going to skewer them for not picking Freddie Freeman as the first base gold glove in the national league and giving it to Anthony Rizzo. Give me a break. Freddie, Freeman, a, Freddie Freeman didn't get the gold glove. No. Oh, Rizzo geez. got it. Look, I'm I'm not even a Braves fan, and I know that's bullshit. But go ahead. You got Max Freed that got one from from the Braves, first Brave uh, pitcher to get one since 20, 2003. Mike Hampton, uh, former Texas Ranger. I, I used to like Mike Hampton. He, he he's a good pitcher. I think he's still pitching now. Um, but anyways, yeah. Uh, MLB, you can walk the plane. Also, Rob Manfred. One second, Artie. I, I know you want to talk, but Rob Manfred, once again, you can walk the damn plank. I hope you don't swim. Take your floaties off. Give it up, man. You you mean to tell me you want – you know what he said? He said, I would be open 
to having a neutral site World Series every year. Like the Super Bowl. I thought that was clickbait. That was for real? That was for real. Mm. This asshole said it. You mean to tell me where it's hard enough to get fans in the stands, you're going to make me fly to some BFE city, probably going to Oakland or going up to Minneapolis and, I don't know, Chicago. Who, who wants to go to Chicago anymore? Hey, screw yourself. <laughs> you, you mean to tell me you want to send me up there to watch my Braves win a World Series? Because it's going to happen in the next couple of years. You mean to tell me th- you mean to tell me that's what I've got to do? That's bullshit. Rob Manfred, get your head out of your ass and walk the damn plane. What 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 did what did he actually think he was gonna achieve? Because not a lot of people watch these awards anyway. Not like if I'm being honest, not a lot of people watch baseball award shows or whatever I, whenever they do it anyway. I, so I don't why did he like I didn't even Who's in no, the room making these decisions? Like, yeah, let's do it on election night. Because nobody it, knew that they were doing it. Of they course not. Nobody they cared. Didn't, they didn't put any media out there that they were doing it. And so all of a sudden, I see a tweet come across my across my phone on notification saying, "Anthony Rizzo is your first base go glove for the NL." And I was like, "What the fuck?" Me somebody, even diehard baseball fans probably be like, eh, man, "This is stupid. I'm going to watch the I mean, election." Like, look, I'm watching look, the election. What are you talking about? Look, I mean, look at me. Look at me. I, I'm i a diehard baseball fan. I, don't, I didn't watch it. I've never watched it. I, that's not something that baseball fans watch. But to each their own. So, Artie, um, well, look, Artie, you know what time it is? It's one eleven. Yeah, it's late, and and we, we got to wrap this thing up, baby boy, because I know you got to get to some sleep. Yeah, your boys also got, we got to. I got to edit this thing. Yeah, true. So, so uh, let me pull up my notes if I can, real quick. Well, uh, we got some notes for betting lines. Um, we'll tell some people how to spend their money. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you how I'm gonna spend my money because I ain't spending my money. I'm just gonna tell you how I would spend my money if I had money to gamble. Artie, all right. I lost it. Here it is. Artie, are you one of those guys that has like 50 tabs open at one time on your computer? Yes, at all times. Yeah, same. At all times. All right, so we got three games. Usually we do four, but we we decided to go with three this week. Uh, The biggest games on the schedule um, are the ones we picked. So, University of Florida travels into uh, Georgia, UGA. Man, how many times have we had Ugga on the on the betting lines this year? Hey, man, they <laughs> they play big time schools. It's big boy football. Georgia is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is uh, fifty two and a half. The money line. So this is something new that I'm throwing in there, Artie. Okay. Money line is UF is plus one eighty five. Georgia minus one sixty five. Artie, to me. I think it's a no-brainer. Take Georgia. Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking Georgia, taking the points. Yeah, I, I, I think I, – I don't know. I, earlier I was saying, no, nah, maybe it is UF. But to me, I'm, I'm, I'm going Georgia. 
I think Cal Trask is going to have the game of his life. I don't know why. I just got a feeling. I'm taking Florida. Take the over because both these teams can score. But it's going to be right – it's like – it's going to be right there at the – at the, what was it, 52 and a half? 52 and a half. Like, like if they get over, you're going to barely get that over. But I say take the over because I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be some, some fireworks late. I got Florida, though. I think, I think Florida's going to take it. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I think it's going to be better than the Alabama-Georgia game that we had a few weeks ago in which Alabama ended up winning that running away. Um, but wouldn't be shocked if Georgia wins this game. Obviously, they're still a good team. But I've got Florida. I think Florida's going to win this matchup. Yeah. So the second biggest game um, is not a game happening up in South Bend. It, it's a game actually happening in, uh, in a small town called Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, don't you know? O-H-I-O. Uh, Houston at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a 13.5-point favorite over under 64.5. The money line, I only pulled the money line for UC because I am taking UC to the bank. Yeah. Um, over under 64.5. I'm taking the over on that. And uh, Cincinnati, yeah. Um, Cincinnati's probably going to beat that spread. I don't know. Houston, Houston's got good offense, but I, I, can't see them beating, I can't see them beating the spread against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's, you know, Cincinnati has a top 10 defense in, in the nation. Yeah. No, look, and, and Houston's fallen off in the last few weeks. Um, Cincinnati's going to win this game big. They're going to win this game big. I don't know if I want to take the over, to be honest with you. I kind of want to take the under. I think Cincinnati is going to score most of the points. Houston might put up 13 or, or 17. Maybe. I think, Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, honestly, I'd take the under. I can see that. But I think, I think since he wins big, it's not going to be that competitive. He's got <laughs> – you can't see this, people, but Jerry's taking the time out because he's so tired. He's yawning. Yeah, man, I've been up since 5 a.m. I don't want to hear some shit. We. I've been up. I'm going on 20 hours already. No sleep. I sleep till Brooklyn. I can sleep when I'm dead. No rest for the wicked. That's your words, not mine. I need my sleep. <laughs> can, can I talk about Marty? No, no, we're not doing Marty tonight. We'll do Marty on another episode. <laughs> I'll give you the opportunity to do Marty on another episode. We're not doing Marty now. We're yes. on the finish line. We'll do Marty on another episode. So I, I lived with Artie in college. Oh, and Artie is Artie's my, one of my best friends. <laughs> and the two guys that we lived with senior year, really before that, when we would be over at the house or whatever, and Artie was asleep, and it'd be like, time to wake up. Artie would come out probably about 11 o'clock, and he'd look at us, and he'd be like, Fuck y'all. Like, just fuck y'all. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't come out and say fuck y'all. I would just stay to myself. That's what people do, Jared. When people wake up in the morning, and a lot of people are not morning people, I'm not a morning person. You, but usually people say Especially good morning. When I'm looking at a bunch of dudes, and if I was in a room full of women, it might be different. But if I'm looking you, at a bunch of dudes, I'm not a you, morning person. Like you say, You say what's up. It's common courtesy. Don't be a dick. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I just look at y'all and be like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see y'all every day. I don't know what to say. I see you every day. So, anyways, Artie, he, Artie has some uh, – um, he has multiple personalities, and uh, each of them have a name. Today I'm here to tell you about Marty. Marty is the guy that wakes up, and he's an asshole to the world until he gets food, 
or he takes a shower or finally four or five hours goes away goes along and he's like all right what y'all want to do today <laughs> he just sits there on it and just looks at you like god bless and he's got the he's got like the mo- he's got the worst like rbf the resting bitch face just sitting there and he's like and every time we're just like hey man what's what's wrong why why are you feeling the way you're feeling why are you so blue it's okay we're friends here and Artie, Artie's just like, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. So Artie's nickname, when he's in that in that state, is actually Marty. So Thank anytime, you, that's that's all Cal right there. Marty. So anytime you uh, anytime you want to call Artie and say, hey, what's up, Marty? By all means, do it. If 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 you value your face. Do not come up to me and call me Marty. <laughs> I wouldn't do or it. Or you can't be threatening our listeners. Nah, man. I love our listeners. I'm just saying, act right when you approach me. That's all I'm saying. Just if, I'm right. the, if I'm there, I won't let him punch you in the face. Trust me. <laughs> so, Artie. Marty. Tulane ECU. Yeah. Tulane's a four-point favorite. Over-under is 61. Ooh. Moneyline. Moneyline's pretty tight. Tulane minus one eighty five, ECU plus one sixty five. What you thinking? Oh, I, take the over. I think I think look, both ECU is averaging thirty, Tulane's averaging thirty six. Take the over. They're they're, they're going to meet their averages if not more. Um, hopefully though, our defense shows up and actually you know plays a full four quarters they played, which they did last week, but it was kind of spotty at times. But, you know, the third quarter is spotty. Yeah. Yeah. The the third quarter is really where we kind of lapse a little bit on defense. But take the over. I think this is going to be a phenomenal game. This is kind of like the Navy game for me. I don't know how to call it. Um, If ECU comes out and and plays the way they did last week offensively and and if they can actually finish, I see us winning this game. Um, But Tulane is scrappy. Tulane likes to run the ball. Tulane has a plethora of good running backs, obviously. but if, if there's one position that does not wow you, that's the quarterback position. And usually that's the position that has to win you the game at the end of the game. And so I, if I had to take a winner, let me get East you because they're pissed off because they've turned a corner because they finally arrived. Um, let me take ECU 38, 31. 38, 31. Wow. Okay. Well, I like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I think ECU does win. Take ECU. So ECU wins outright. Um, they also take the over. Mm-hmm. But I also think that uh, this is the awakening of the offense that we've been waiting for. We saw a yep. little bit of it last week. But I think this week they're going to put it all together against a little bit easier of an opponent, especially on the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. in Tulane. Um, ECU, I'm, I'm going to say ECU wins this game and they win it by, they win it by at least two touchdowns. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I have that much faith. So, and, so you're saying that this is going to be the best game ECU's had all season? Then? I mean, they, they won by 20 at USF. Yeah, South Florida sucks. I'm sorry. South yeah, Florida, I mean, yeah, I, I think the football team that could very easily be five and two. 
So I, I think for the 3,000 fans that are going to be in, in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, I think they see an EC victory and they get to sing EC victory, sing the alma mater, and, and go home. Right. I, I think that ECU wins this game. Look, you said it. You said it. They're pissed. We know that. I said it last week on the podcast in the post game. The, the, I felt bad for Tulane. Mm-hmm. I felt bad for Tulane because Tulane's about to come out here and you're going to have some of these guys running around and they're going to be banging heads and they're going to be still taking the ball away. They're going to be challenging the American Athletic Conference to overturn calls. And they're going to say, ball doesn't lie. This is the best damn one and four team in the country. ECU is. And I know that's not saying much, but those are two very winnable games that they've they've dropped. Mm-hmm. Navy and, and Tulsa, they should have won both those games. And I, I called it at the beginning of the year. They beat Tulane. ECU will beat Tulane. I I, I don't have faith in Tulane. Um their their wins have come against some uh, weaker opponents. They've lost to some better opponents. And I think that ECU is better than people are giving them credit for. When I saw the line at negative four, I, I, I honestly was surprised. I thought it was going to be more of a push. But when, when I saw it, I think it opened up as like seven. Mm-hmm. I, and I was like, no, nah, that, that ain't right. And Vegas has got it right now. They're, they're coming back towards, towards ECU. But I, I, I do think that ECU wins this game. And I do think that you could see ECU win by two touchdowns. I, you, I mean, you could bet you could bet that, I guess. But yeah, take ECU and uh, take the over. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, if ECU doesn't win this game, I, I don't know what other game they can win because I think this is I think this is the most this this is the best opportunity for ECU to say we're here, we're here to stay, and we're gonna punch you in the mouth, and we don't give a shit who you are. Right, and, and, and they, they need this for confidence. I mean, they, they absolutely have to have this game for confidence. They have to have, to have, have, to have this game for repositioning and, and, and conference play to actually, you know, be what, content, what? not contenders, but to be, you know, legitimate in conference and actually prove that they can play with these other teams in conference. So this, this, it's a must win for both teams. Both teams have losing records, but for ECU especially, um, this is just a huge confidence boost if we can win this game and win it by double figures. Um, do I see that happening? I don't, but nonetheless, it's a must win. Yeah. And then real quick. So Tulane is one in four in the conference. They lost to Navy. They lost to Navy by three points. They lost to SMU by three. They lost to UCF by 17. Mm -hmm. They beat Temple by 35, but Temple's, Right. Temple's given you. Temple's given you on Southern Miss. Yeah, I mean this offense can this offense can score. Now Southern Miss, I mean that's a Conference USA team. I'm not. Right. I'm. I'm not giving that much credit. That's like App State. That's like beating App State. No. Whoa. 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 <laughs> you didn't. You didn't have to dig at App State like that. App State's good enough to beat us. App State. App State right now will come to Dowdy and beat us. Man, how about how about Coastal Carolina beating Georgia State last week? Oh, yeah, snaps it in. Snaps it in. And they beat South Alabama. The teams that they've beaten, South Alabama, Southern Miss, and uh, Temple. Temple is one and three. Then you got Southern Miss, who is 0 and three. 
and then you got South Alabama, which is one and one. So right. you, I mean, you've got they're what two, and their their opponents are a combined two and seven. But but I will say this, and I, and I saw much of that Tulane SMU game. They were a few bad plays away from upsetting SMU, and they only lost by three. Well, so were we last year. And Navy was another one of those games they could have easily won. So, I mean, they could be five and two. Now, granted, yeah, the teams they've beaten are not that, you know, they're not all that cracked up to be. But this is a team that could easily be five and two with a, with a legit win on their resume with beating SMU. It just didn't fall for them. So, um, I'm, I'm not taking Tulane lightly. I'm not but, taking them lightly at all. But ECU is also a team that could be, what, three and two? They should be three and two. Yeah. They absolutely should be three and two. Yes. Had the league got their shit together and let Holden Aylers play a couple weeks ago and then also, you know, got their shit together with their re their replay official. Yeah. I just hope the re I just hope it's not the American Athletic Conference replay official that's uh watching the replay of, of the votes in, in the election. That's all I'm saying. Go to bed, Jared. <laughs> all right. With that, uh ECU plays uh Tulane. The green, the green wave, or yeah, I think that's what they are. The green, green. wave, mm-hmm. green wave. We've got the golden hurricane and the green wave. Sounds like some uh, some some bad things, if you if you know what I mean. But um, yeah, ECU plays Tulane, twelve o'clock, ESPN Plus. The three thousand people that are there, um, cheer cheer for the Pirates, and uh, yeah, Artie, you got anything else? That's all I got. Um, stay safe, stay healthy. As always, we're still dealing with a bunch of tumultuous stuff going on in America. Tumultuous. I know, I know we, I, I, I've used a lot of big words tonight. I know we want to see who our president is, but, you know, forget about that right now and just enjoy your weekend and watch sports and enjoy each other's company. And we'll see you on the post-game wrap-up. And to Steven Iga, I don't know if you listen, Falcons beat the, Falcons beat the Broncos this week. <laughs> All right. Peace out, Pirate Nation. <laughs>